Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew's, uh, Mark's Gospel, not Matthew's Gospel, Mark's Gospel, and we're going to read from uh, chapter 15. So, verse 1 of Mark chapter 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin reached a decision. They bound Jesus, led him away, and turned him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Yes, it is, as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they're accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the feast to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists, who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of envy that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do? Then with the one who called the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they shouted. Why, what crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have this morning and for the freedom we have to be able to meet around your word. And our Father, even though we're separated by distance, we are together. And our Father, we thank you that in this time, as we look at this passage this morning, that you will just lead us, encourage us and open our eyes to what you are saying to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And our Father, we just ask now that you continue to lead us in your direction as we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right, well, Mark chapter 15. Um, let's just recap what we know. Jesus has been arrested and taken to the house of the high priest. And while he was on trial, Peter was in the courtyard denying knowing Jesus. And then Jesus was then taken to be handed over to Pilate. Now, at this point, Mark takes us through what happened next, and his account is short and to the point, which is the fashion of his gospel. We will look at Mark's accounts shortly, but I think it would be good for us to take uh, a little bit of time just to look at some of the things uh, from the other gospel writers. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew 27, verse 11 to 26. On this account, Matthew tells us that Pilate's wife sent him a message saying, do not have anything to do with this innocent man. Now, this would later cause Pilate to call for a bowl of water in order for him to publicly wash his hands. And this was an indication that he was washing his hands of this situation. This is where we get the saying, I wash my hands of this. It is an attempt uh, to take no responsibility for what might happen. If we go to Luke's Gospel, Luke 23, verse 1 to 25, covering the same incident, 
Luke tells us that when Pilate realised that Jesus was a Galilean, he sent him over to Herod. Herod, who was in his palace in Jerusalem for the Passover. And Herod, after mocking Jesus, sent him back to Pilate. In John's Gospel, John chapter 18, verse 28, going through to verse 16 of chapter 19, John gives us more information, information about the kingdom. John tells us that Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. And we get a little bit more explanation from that. And at one point in this uh, accounts in John's Gospel, Pilate asks the question, what is truth? Now, that's a good question. That's a question that many people ask about things today. Sometimes it's very difficult to find out what is truth and what is not truth. Anyway, the high priest's house, Pilate's judgment hall, and Herod's palace were all within walking distance of each other. And as this entourage moved from place to place in the early hours of that morning, we can see how a crowd would have soon gathered. So Jesus was arrested at night. The cock crowed at dawn, and this was as they left to go to Pilate's hall. So from the house of Caiaphas to Pilate's judgment hall, from there to the place of Herod, or the palace of Herod, then back to Pilate, and from Pilate to Calvary. As we read through these four gospel accounts, we see an innocent man condemned to death. We have a reference to God's kingdom. We have a reference to the king and the king's mission. We have a question raised, what is truth? We know the Pilate, who was reluctant to pass sentence, but we know that he was swayed by the crowd. And then we see Herod, who had longed to meet Jesus, but when he did, his desire was to be entertained. And when that didn't happen, Herod resorted to mockery and abuse. Now, with these things in mind, I'd like you to make some time this week to sit down quietly and read through these gospel passages that we've just mentioned. And it's good to let the word of God itself speak to us. And in this way, we will also see that there are similar reactions today from people who refuse to believe the truth of who Jesus is. But for this morning, uh, let us look at as I said, to what Mark has to say to us in his account. Before we do, just a, a quick recap uh, as we consider one thought from last week. In Mark 14, verse 65, we read this verse. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfold him, struck him with their fists and said, Prophesy. And the gods took him and beat him. This was in the house of the high priest. Now, in this verse, we sometimes miss an important detail. We know that Jesus was taken to the house of the high priest where they made false accusations and decided that he must be killed. We know, know that they blindfolded him and spat on him and mocked him. Then they bound him and took him to Pilate. But I want to draw your attention to this phrase. And the phrase is, 
and the guards took him and beat him. This happened in the house of the high priest. The guards were probably the temple guards. And this is not the only beating that Jesus would suffer on that day. But here is my question. What were the Sanhedrin doing while this beating was going on? Well, more than likely, they were putting together the illegal strategy that they would take to Pilate. You see, they they didn't have the power to pass a death sentence, but Pilate did. Their accusation of blasphemy would not stand up in an official Roman court, so they would have to work out a plan, and then they would have to get their story straight. The main accusation presented to Pilate was that Jesus claimed to be the king of the Jews, so that the charge would not be one of blasphemy against the Jewish God, but one of treason against Caesar. Now, the evidence of this plotting and planning is found in the first verse of chapter 15. Very early in the morning, the chief priests, with the elders and teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin, made their plans. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. That binding Jesus and handing him over was after they'd made their plans and after they'd commissioned the temple guard to beat Jesus. They plotted against Jesus while he was being beaten by temple guards in the house of the high priest. The beating of Jesus may have taken place in another room, so as not to disturb them as they worked out their plan of action. You know, the Sanhedrin had no authority to pass sentence. They wanted Jesus killed, so they took him to Pilate. After the beating, how did they take him? Hands tied. And looking like a dangerous rebel. Someone who'd been in a fight. We come to verse 2 of chapter 15. These are the words of Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. You have said so, Jesus replied. Now the answer from Jesus is actually confirmation to Pilate that he is the king of the Jews. What Jesus is saying here, just to paraphrase it slightly, is Jesus saying, as you rightly say, that is who I am. Then we come to verses 3 to 5. The chief priests accused him of many things, so again Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. You see, they they weren't satisfied with that one uh, accusation. They piled on the accusations. And what was it that amazed Pilate? Could it be that in the midst of all this chaos... The only one who seemed to be in control was this man.
Jesus. We've referred to this verse before as Isaiah had prophesied. Jesus remained silent before his accusers. And they were still accusing him. And Jesus still remained, remained silent. Verses 6 through to 8. Now it's the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. Now Pilate probably saw this as being a solution to the situation that he was in. He was probably quite pleased because now in his head he had the answer. And in verse 9 to 11, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to get Pilate to release Barabbas instead. You see, Pilate saw the real reason that they wanted to get rid of Jesus. He was a threat to their comfortable way of life. Tradition had given way to truth. And it appears that they have found it quite easy to steer the crowd into thinking their way. You know, sometimes crowds are very easily manipulated. And they certainly were in this case. Pilate, I should imagine, was quite disappointed at this. And he asked the question, and we get that in verse 12 through to 15. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked them. Crucify him, they replied. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. At this point, let us consider what we know from this short passage. Let's look at it with regard to the Sanhedrin. The trial was at the wrong time. It should never have been at night. It was in the wrong place. Trials should be held according to the Talmud at the Hall of Hewn Stones, the traditional meeting place of the Sanhedrin, when it functioned as a court, not at the house of the high priest. The wrong proceedings, the protocol for the witnesses had not been adhered to. In fact, it was completely abused as was the accused. The wrong verdict and the wrong sentence. The Sanhedrin, they could find no fault in Jesus. Mark 14, verse 55, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. What about Pilate and Herod? Well, it was the same with them. They couldn't find fault in him. There was no charge to answer. Luke 15, verse 4, Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd 
I find no basis for a charge against this man. Again in Luke's Gospel, we read this. This is after Jesus has been to Herod. And this is what Pilate said when he receives, receives Jesus back into his court. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he's done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. As I said, Mark's account is quite short and to the point. But the central character in all these accounts is Jesus. And Jesus is the one who Mark wants his readers to know. And remember, he knows that most of his readers will be Gentiles. Our question at the beginning was, who is on trial here? Let's just ask the question, who is the real judge here? The answer is God. Who are the guilty here? Well, we come up with the answer. Those who have accused Jesus. But before we start throwing any stones, let us consider this verse from Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means that we are all guilty. This is the reason that Jesus suffered. Now, it's always easy to point the finger at others and to walk away with a self-righteous feeling that, ooh, I'm not like them. I'm not as bad as they are. But then in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. So, who is on trial here? The truth is, we are. And the truth is that we're all guilty. And the truth is, we all stand condemned before God. Here's the good news. But by the power of his death, we can know God's forgiveness and we can be made righteous. Again, from Romans, this time Romans 5 verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That's a wonderful verse. It's wonderful when we think about it. Adam sinned. The trespass of one man. And through that, death came and death reigned right up to us in our day. But how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace that was brought when Jesus died in our place on the cross. And then he offers us the gift of righteousness to reign in life through what? Through the one man Jesus Christ. So there's the gospel. If we know the truth of that, 
Let's praise God this morning. If we don't, let's examine our hearts. And let us come to that point where we are as guilty as those we've read about. As guilty as the ones who drove the nails into his hands and his feet. As guilty as the ones who lied about him. As guilty as the ones who cried crucified. We're going to go on with this passage next week. Like all of Mark's readers, we're going to we're going to go on. This is what we're going to see. So this is something to look at next week. We're going to see victory through apparent defeat. We're going to see pain and suffering that can bring glory. We're going to see love from the one who is hated. We're going to see the humble servant. He is the one who is the master. And he is the one who is in control. Through all this apparent chaos. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for the truth of your word. And this is the truth. Because you have said it. You have said that you are the way, the truth and the life. Our Father, for those of us who know that. Let us rejoice in our hearts this morning. And for if there's any listening who don't know that. Our Father, we ask that you'll bring them to their knees as they come before you in acknowledgement of their sin with a repentant heart and that they might accept the forgiveness that you offer. Our Father, we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.